Self-sourcing is a really big focus right now for any sales leader or account executive, just with the uh, current economic conditions, right? Inbound's probably a little slower than it was before. And uh, you might not have quite as much SDR support or BDR support as you might be used to. In today's episode, we're going to dig into how Orem's enterprise account executives self-source three to six meetings every week. So before we get to that, thanks for checking out Outbound Squad. My name's Jason Bay. I'm your host. Our mission is to help you turn complete strangers into paying customers. So whether that's an SDR, BDR, and you're doing a ton of prospecting, or you're an account executive doing prospecting and closing, or a sales leader working with those folks, you're definitely in the right place. So tons of layoffs are happening right now. They've been happening all year. And what that has meant for a lot of account executives is that, hey, if you don't self-source a third or more of your pipeline, you're probably not going to hit target. So what we talked about this is an audio excerpt, by the way, of a webinar we did a few weeks ago. Uh, Avi Mesh is an enterprise AE at Orm who had 162% attainment last year. So he actually self-sources three to six meetings per week. And we're going to talk about that. And we're also joined by his director of sales, Daisy Chung. So we'll talk about how to set up your ideal sales week, how to create a culture where AEs uh, can have the resources and abilities and get the outcomes that they want to prospect more. Uh, how to improve AESDR collaboration. And of course, we dig into a bunch of you know really practical uh, tips, tricks, strategies, all that kind of stuff. So appreciate you checking out the episode. If you would, it would mean a lot to me if you left an honest rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so more reps and sales leaders exactly like you could find this. All right, let's get to the episode. The conversation today is really going to focus around uh, Orem and what they do to self-source meetings as account executives. So we're going to talk all about the process, frameworks. Uh, we're going to have some like kind of cool data that we're going to show you as well. But if you have questions, try to drop them into the Q&A section in Zoom so we can get to them. And our two guests, real quick today, we have Daisy Chung, who is Director of Sales at Orem. Good to have you here, Daisy. And then we have Avi Mesh, who is an enterprise account executive at Orem. And what they do at Orem is they really just, the platform is, is like, I'm a huge fan of, but they just eat their own cooking is what I like to say. So they sell a platform that helps people prospect and be more effective on the phones. And they're really good at prospecting too. So that's what we're gonna dig into today. Uh, you two ready to get started? We cool? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Let us know in the chat. Um, I think what would be good is uh, let us know your role. So are you an SDR making calls? Are you an account executive? Are you a sales leader? Drop your role into the chat. That'll help us be able to customize the content a bit for you today. Chat is going off right now. A lot of AE. Yeah, there we go. Like... Love it. And for you SDRs on the call too, you're going to get a ton from the conversation as well. You're just going to have a little bit more time than the account executives do to, to prospect and that sort of stuff. Um, let's uh, let's get started. The first question that um, I want to kick, uh, Daisy, we'll start with you. Um, a lot of the focus, especially with account executives, there's always this, hey, we should be prospecting, like get some meetings, like that sort of stuff. And I think that if we kind of peel back the onion a bit, there are some other reasons why focusing more on outbound can be particularly effective, whether that be, hey, our best deals tend to come from outbound. We tend to land larger deals. Like, 
do you mind sharing a little bit more like what what is the culture like at Orem with Outbound? Why is it such a big priority for you guys, especially with the account executive? Because you guys have an SDR team too. Yes. Yeah, great question, Jason. So, I mean, first and foremost, it's important to us because we we sell an outbounding tool. So it would be hypocritical if we don't use our own tool. We don't we don't go out there and prospect. Um, that's first yeah. thing. Second thing, we're also all salespeople, regardless of Orem being Orem. As a sales professional, it's important to prospect because we have an awesome SDR team. We have an awesome marketing team, so we get leads that way. But sometimes leads ebb and flow. You'll have months where everything's going really well. You have months where it looks a little low and you can't predict that. So as a top performing AE, the only way you can predict and maintain your quota, your your whatever number you're looking to hit is to control your own destiny. And that's why it's important for AEs to get into the habit of prospecting and outbounding so they can fill in those gaps on low months, low quarters uh, and drive those deals home. Uh, and then the other piece you mentioned right there is some of the biggest deals I've seen historically, both at Orem and my previous company, has come from outbound because these are folks who don't know what's good out there until you've reached out. And those folks typically have bigger budgets, they're bigger company. You can decide how big or how, yeah, that company is versus inbound, what SDRs bring you. You kind of have to work whatever is presented. Gotcha. Avi. With outbound, because I think, and where the reason I'm asking this question is that I think the general kind of thinking is, you know, hey, wouldn't it be great to just get handed a ton of inbound leads? And I'm curious in your experience running, you've been doing this for a while, but specifically at Orem, what difference do you know, notice with deals that you've self-sourced versus, let's say, inbound? What, what kind of difference do you notice between those and especially with the outbound deals? Um, I think outbound deals is a good question. The ones that I've sourced, I tend to take a lot more ownership over, uh, a lot more yeah. pride in because I'm the one that that found them. Um, I also find that sometimes when I've got leads that are coming my way, at times they can be starting below the line, below the, the level of influence. And so if I'm driving that myself um, and doing that outbound, that outbounding, a lot of times I can really go high first. And I feel comfortable doing that at this point. It allows me to align with strategic initiatives, top of the organization. Um, so I have a lot more, I feel like control over my destiny about where my journey begins. Yeah, that's really interesting because I'm thinking about, I don't know if it's the case for you guys at Orem, but a lot of the inbound leads I get start with a an enablement manager or a sales manager. And that's, that's not bad. It's just going to be more work to get up to a VP of sales or a chief revenue officer. And what I'm hearing from you is like, hey, with Outbound, I can strategically target people with influence in the org. And I can get the conversation started with someone that can be a little bit more of a mobilizer maybe for me through the deal. So am I, am I hearing you correct there? 100%. Love it, love it. So uh, Loretta asked in the chat, roughly how long do these meetings last? And Brian said three hours. Promise you, we're not gonna keep you for three hours today, you guys. <laughs> Brian, are you being a smart ass? Um, <laughs> so we're going to keep it under an hour today. <laughs> you guys are funny. Um, I think what would be really good before we dig into kind of how to block and tackle the week, Daisy, uh, would you mind sharing your screen? You have a dashboard. And what we're about to see is the account executives at AE and kind of like the outbound activity, meetings landed, all of that kind of stuff. You want to share with everyone what they're seeing here on the screen? 
Yeah, I'm happy to. So um, this is the ORM dashboard here. And I just pulled up last month. And these are just the AE. So I siphoned it out to the AE team at ORM here. You can see Avi, uh, our rock star here on outbound prospecting and driving deals, is top here with 20 meetings sourced just from the phone last, last month, which breaks down to about five, five a week. Um, and even other, other reps breaking down three to six uh, meetings per week when you break down the, the numbers here. Um, but that's the power is how can we drive your own meetings in addition to whatever you're getting from inbound, from SDR, that's awesome, but how can you control your own destiny? And here at Orem, we recommend every AE have to be working at least five meetings a week, regardless of where they come from. And that's why folks like Avi crush it because he's booking his own five in addition to whatever he's getting from, from the SDR team to drive those numbers home. So I think one thing that really sticks out to me let's see if I can put a little pointer on the screen if people can see it, is session time, dial time, and then talk time. Do you want to kind of walk us through the numbers that people are seeing here? I think what's really powerful is if you have something like Orem, and I know we're talking a lot about the tool right now, and I promise we'll get a lot to the tactics. It's just like I get excited about this stuff because I think about the time investment that it takes you know, to get meetings and when you're not using some sort of dialer, it can really just take a ton of time. But you want to share, uh, Daisy, a little bit more about what we're looking at there in terms of talk time, dial time, session time, that sort of stuff, just to give people context into how much time all of this stuff takes. Yeah, so we're breaking down all these metrics here. Uh, last month, he spent three hours and 13 minutes talking. That's whenever someone picks up, you have their conversation, good or bad, that's talk time. And then dial time is when you're dialing. So no one's picking up, you're dropping those voicemails, nothing's happening. That's when you accumulate that dial time. Session time is how long you're logged into Orm for. So it's talk time plus dial time anytime between. So after you hang up, usually you type in notes. Sometimes you book a meeting. So you want to send out that meeting, send out that email. So all the in-between times is where we track. Um, but to your point, our goal here is not to have AEs prospect outbound, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day. That's not feasible for them to work their, their full-time okay. job goals here. But Avi, he only spent about 30 minutes logging to Orem each day or less last month to get to this number. And that's why it's really important when we think about prospecting. It's not this multi-hour uh, event. It's working smarter to get you those meetings and making sure you block off your, your mind space and focus. I think a lot of times for AEs, when you think about prospecting, your 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 mind's running a, a mile a minute. You're thinking about your deals you're closing. You're thinking about, am I getting a a, a docu sign? Do I have to ping legal? All these things are racing through your mind, and then you have to think about prospecting. That makes it really hard. But if you just block out 15, 20, 30 minutes, an hour a day, where it's purely focused on on outbound and nothing else, then you can achieve some of these you know meetings that Avi and some other AEs are doing too. Yes. Okay. Avi, got a couple of questions for you just based on what we're seeing here in the chat. So length of sales cycle, just, I don't know what you're allowed to share uh, with certain stuff, but generally just so people can kind of understand this is an enterprise sales motion typically. I think it depends on inbound or outbound, right? Outbound generally you're seeing four to 10 months on a sales mm -hmm. cycle, I would say. Yeah. That's and those meetings, yeah, and those meetings that you're landing, those 20 meetings, do you want to give some context into some of these are like net new accounts, some of them are like a deal that I just started working, you want to give some context into those, because I think that the types of meetings are super important. One thing we talked about right before this is that prospecting doesn't stop 
once you get a first meeting. So some of this is prospecting within the org too and multi-threading and that sort of stuff. But do you want to give a little more context into that, those 20 meetings there? Yeah, I think it's a it's a smattering of different type of meetings, right? It's net new logos, right? People that I've never spoken to before that I've done research on. There are opportunities that my SDR tried to book for me, but but no showed, and so I went elsewhere in the organization um, based on the intel that he had collected. It's multi-threading into my active deals, so I'm talking with coaches and stakeholders, and I'm trying to move up the organization based on intel that I found. So, um, you know, for me. Cold calling is definitely difficult, right? For a lot of people and it's difficult to generate interest. So make it as easy as you can for yourself. Like reach out to warm leads, reach out to people that, you know, close lost ops from a couple quarters ago. You have some relationship with, I mean, really it's just about driving pipeline using the phone, right? It doesn't, I think a lot of people get hung up on, you know, I have to spend 30 minutes calling net new accounts and you can do so much damage calling people you're currently working with and building groundswell and multi-threading within those deals to accelerate your active ones. That's worth yeah. noting. Gotcha. I'm going to grab a screen from you real quick, Daisy. Uh, I, I want to spend some time on this part real quick. Um, so Daisy, I'll kick this next question your way. What are the different, when you think about the different types of leads, we'll call them leads that someone like Avi or someone else on the team might call there's cold outbound, right? What you just mentioned, Avi. What are the other types of like leads or plays are you guys targeting uh, with your outbound? Because I think this is really important for the for the account executives, especially on the call to hear. Yeah. So Jason, how I usually message to the team is as an AE, your deals come first. So when you're calling or doing any type of reach out, the first thing you do every morning is focus on your deals, especially the late stage ones. And that also means picking up the phone, calling them to talk about um, you know, legal, security, grabbing multiple stakeholders, or if the DocuSign is sent, seeing where things are to, to propel the deal. As we know, time kills deals. So all because someone has a DocuSign sent or also because someone gave you the verbal commitment does not mean the deal is happening until it's signed. So that's the first call. That's the first prospecting I recommend all AEs to do. After that, it's any deals in flight. So not the late stage, the beginning stages. You did your discovery call. You did your consensus call. You did those early calls. It's important to have the call between the call. So don't wait until the next meeting to, to speak with your prospect again. After that first call, after that, that second call, call them again and say, hey, super excited to catch up in a couple of days. Just confirm me again. You know, this is what you're looking for. Curious, what is your boss looking for? You're preparing more questions to get dig deeper and helping you for that next call, all while building deeper rapport and relationship with your prospect. So those calls come next. After that, uh, we have your warm prospecting calls. So after the hot deals and then the early deals is the warm prospect. Anyone you've ever spoken with who said, hey, call me back in a couple months, not a good time, send me an email. That's where you should focus your energy next because you have some type of relationship to follow up on. And then the fourth and last bucket is the outbound calling. That's purely cold. Still super important, but again, it's very important for an AE to prioritize their time on what calls to do first to maximize their their quota attainment, you know, time management and all that fun stuff. Okay. So I think there's a really important lesson here again around if I'm an account executive, you're basically flipping the sales funnel upside down and saying, I'm going to start, you know, with the stuff uh, that's closest to closing. 
So if we kind of go through the buckets that I dropped there in the chat, so deals closest to closing, this is, if I understand correct, this is like I may, might have a proposal out or it's at the stage where maybe it's gotten a verbal type of commitment. And now there's like a lot of moving pieces to make sure that like the right person signs this, that it goes through, that we're meeting sort of deadlines. Is that that first bucket? Yes, yes. Yeah, so what kind of calls are being made and can you guys provide, uh, either one of you provide an example maybe of like, what's uh, like, what would that look like or sound like? I can speak to that and it's gonna be a little bit uh, against what you'd expect I'd say, cause I'm not actually calling these people through Orem at this point at the end of my cycle. And the reason for that is I get their cell phone number, we're on a text basis. And so what I'm doing is I'm calling them cell phone to cell phone and I'm having conversations with them about eels in the deal or, or, or things we should be avoiding or you know things that need to happen uh, and scheduling more meetings and more touch points during those calls. Um, so the analytics that Daisy was showing, I would probably wager that most of the AEs on there are taking a similar approach with their late stage opportunities from a calling standpoint. Um, most of those meetings that you saw are those mid-stage, early stage, or completely cold ops um, that we're reaching out to over the phones using Orem. Got it. So that first bucket then is primarily like, this is my champion who I have a relationship with that I, like, I have enough rapport that I can text with and I'm just making sure that stuff that's supposed to happen is actually happening and that we're not blocked on anything. Yes, I, I like to add a quick point. I think once you get on that texting basis, that mobile to mobile, that obviously really wonderful at, at driving that relationship, you know, that's when it, you know, it's very easy to, you're texting, you're slacking, you're calling directly, like you guys are our friends at this point. Um, another avenue I have seen some AEs have used Orm in this late stage is also your champions, your champion, they're there for you, but sometimes a champion will feel bad to give you bad news, will feel bad because they're going through some things internally. Let's say budgets approved, they're about to sign and something happens internally. And because they love you so much as a rep, you built such a strong relationship, they don't want to tell you quite yet until they get better news that, you know, because they love you so much. And so sometimes I have seen folks, even the late stage deals, use Orem to call with different numbers because they're purposely ignoring you because they don't want to give you that bad news because they're trying to save that bad news. And then they ignore your call sometimes, you call them with Orem and you better laugh it out. They're like, hey, it's a different number. And you're like, yes, hey, Bob, what's going on? Like, you know, it's yeah. been a couple of days. Let's catch up here. And then, you know, bad yeah. news is bad, but you still want that news yeah. ASAP so that you can help control and influence the deal and help understand it. So both ways, if you get on that text, say mobile, mobile, but you know, sometimes champions are also scared to tell you bad news and you pull it out. Got it. Got it. Okay. So the stats that we were shown earlier, don't, they don't include these types of types of calls. So if we look at, it, and I dropped it again in the chat, I think this is kind of a good way to structure the call today. So deals mid flight that are kind of early stage. This is the multi-threading stuff that, that is typically happening. Can you guys share, I'll, I'll kick this over to you, Avi. Um, what kind of calls are you making through Orem there and, and give some context into like a, like a typical situation, I guess, that you might be uh, calling into that bucket. So um, like tactically how I, I would approach those mid, mid stage ops. I mean, look, I, you get a lot of information from these people that your prospects out of the gate, right? A lot of information that you can't find if you're looking online and doing research, right? So 
you know, the whole thing about outbound prospecting that's so difficult is finding the right relevance and right personalization at that moment to pique their interest, to have them consider talking to you and moving a deal along. And so what I tend to do is I try to collect as much information from initial stakeholders as I can, work my deals with them, and progress them, but also realizing that in this economic environment, it is absolutely essential that we're looping in stakeholders from different departments and at different levels. And so I'm basically taking the information that I collect, the reason for why Orem, for example, could be the right solution for them at this moment. I'm applying that messaging to my subsequent outreach, which makes my hooks even more relevant. I mean, tactically speaking, what I'm doing is I'm leading into the call by saying, hey, I've spoken with a couple people at your firm, and I understand that XYZ is a current situation that you guys are dealing with. And I have some ideas to share about how we can help you. Um, is now a good time to chat or would you rather schedule something with me, right? It's kind of like having them choose one way or the other. Odds are it's probably not a good time. And so then we're booking a meeting. Um, that's generally speaking my my approach to, to try to multi-thread mid-stage. Yeah, and okay. double tap on that. Avi does a really good job in being very clear in what he expects because at the end of the day, when it's late stage, no one wants to waste time. No one has time to just talk shop to talk shop. And so when Avi does these calls, you always give something before you take something. So before we ask like what's happened with the deal, this, that, you know, who else is involved, you're giving something. Hey, reaching out, you know, I noticed last time we spoke, you mentioned your reps really like this or you like that. We're actually releasing a new feature. I actually have a client who did exactly what you did and I can introduce you guys. Hey, remember last time we spoke, you were hiring a new SDR. I have a couple of folks that might be good fits here. You always give and then you can start taking, which means just asking questions to help with the deal. And that way it's always very productive. And, um, you know, again, Avi does a clear job that no time's wasted because their time's important, your time's important. That's why there's always this give take when we do these type of uh, mid trial, mid deal calls. Love it. And for those of you in the chat, we are going to get to that fourth bucket, the cold outbound. Like we're we're going to get to that today and talk talk a lot about that. The point of going through this is that like the continuation of prospecting through a deal cycle. That's that's the important part here. So multi-threading. I want to ask. Um, so when you're calling these other folks, Avi, does the people that you've previously talked with? Do you let them know that you're going to do that? Like, what's the what's the process for engaging these other stakeholders when you've already had initial conversations with folks? And I know there's a lot of context that yeah. is important in these types of situations, but any general rules of thumb for multi-threading and prospecting within the organization when I've already established contact with a stakeholder or an, or a group of stakeholders? Generally speaking, uh, it's an important question. Context is key. Um, generally speaking, what I'm trying to do is give my contact the opportunity to help me build groundswell and multi-thread first. So I'm coming to my calls with ideas about who else should be involved above them, coming with names, not just asking who else should be looped in, but coming to them and saying, hey, looks like Jason's your VP of sales. Let's get on a call with him next. I'm trying to give them an opportunity to drive this deal themselves. And if yeah. it's stalling or if they're not moving it along, right, the deal's dead anyway. And so I'm reaching out to Jason on my own if they're not willing to do that on my behalf. I'm willing to get my hand slapped once or twice in the spirit of trying yeah. to get it going. Because if they're not moving it along, 
it's not going anywhere, right? And you need to get to power as quickly as you can. Um, in an ideal world, you've built enough value, value, you've expressed enough business acumen that your contact would feel comfortable introducing you to the right folks on your side. Um, always ask for that introduction. And yeah, if it slows down and if you're not getting where you need to go, that's when you apply the learnings you've, you've gotten to drive in the league. Because an introduction, right? Jason is the best thing you can get. If you're yeah. if you can get an intro to the right people, it's warm, you're copied on an email, you're scheduling calls, that's great. This is really for if it's not if it's not moving. Um, tactically speaking, also, I don't when I'm reaching out to a leader say, hey, I spoke with XYZ person and they told me this, that, and the other thing. Because I don't want to burn this person and like make them feel yeah. like I, I I I'm totally going around them. Instead, my strategy is in, instead just to insinuate, hey. You know, based on my research, based on discussions, it sounds like X, Y, Z. Is that wrong? Yeah. Is that something you and I can discuss? So the bottom line here is that you're willing to go on the journey yourself. It's not it's not option number one. Option number one is we're able to get introductions and create buy-in around additional stakeholders. But we all know that a lot of the times that's not the case. We're either talking to the wrong person or there's some sort of unwillingness to kind of share. And you're willing to go on your own. And I think an important detail there is that if you do go on your own, don't do it in a way that makes the people you've been talking to look bad. Don't drop their names in there. Like, don't create unnecessary friction. Um, Daisy, anything when you're working with your account executives, like in this kind of bucket, the deals and flights, any other kind of pointers that you have around multi-threading and the prospecting, quote unquote, that's happening during the deal to get people involved? Anything else that you would add? Yeah, so especially in when you think about enterprise prospecting too, because Avi also focuses on more of our enterprise uh, space, it is important to, again, you want to make good use of your time, whether it's a warm call or a cold call. So I think Avi had a good point where he is letting them know like, hey, are these people XYZ a good fit to talk to? Or he's name dropping actual people and doing the work for them. The worst case when you're doing these type of calls and you try and multi-thread saying, hey, who else will be involved? Or any questions, how else can I help you? You're making them do the work. But if you start yeah. giving them information, say, hey, I did some research and I know Mary here is the sales ops person. Bob here manages an, uh, enablement. You know, who do you guys report to typically? Who runs the, the uh, tool management there? they will respect that you did the work and it makes their answer easier. Um, and not just for name dropping, just anything in general. If you've done your research and know that they're using three tools that you integrate with or don't integrate with, let them know ahead of time versus spending your time, oh, what tools are you using, things like that. And especially in the enterprise world, they will respect that you did your homework and it makes your call a lot more productive too. Yeah, One thing to add, sorry, on top of that, that's a great point, Daisy, coming to the call with, you know, your research and with your recommendation, your homework's done, you're doing it for them. One thing that I found that really helped people, helps people open up about exactly who I need to get involved. And it's such a small thing is just get their pictures off LinkedIn and put it on a slide and you share your yeah. screen and you show the pictures, the names, the titles of the people who you expect you know, decision makers, ex executive sponsors, financial sign-off, whatever you think it is, hey, this is who I think this should be. And they will tell you how wrong you are. And sometimes it's better to be wrong, honestly, because then yeah. they come in and they tell you exactly who the right people are. Um, it's a tactic I've, I've been using for a, a little bit now, and it's been paying dividends. Yeah. Yeah. 
and really quickly chime off that, I think I think what we're trying to get at here, I know when we say like, hey, AEs, like book three, four, five, six meetings a week, it sounds like it's all about quantity and not quality. But as you can hear that it's the reverse. Like we make sure our AEs are putting quality work, each deal they're working, each cold call or warm call, whatever the call is, always doing that prep work. He's making that, that presentation. He's looking on Google. He's looking on LinkedIn. He's building groundswell before having this call. And that's going to give you the best results. To us, quantity is great, but quality must come first before we expand on quantity to be a good use of your time and for you guys to hit your numbers and surpass your numbers too. Yeah, I love it. I think the principle here, and one thing that I always say is it's easier to correct than to educate. So don't expect a prospect to educate, especially an executive. Like it's much easier to correct in that. I think I got the idea of the image the people's images from Armand. I think I heard him say that or something. I can't remember, but it definitely works. It is such a pro move. You're like, oh, wow. And especially if you're like adding little notes in like live or moving people around or whatever it might be. Um, okay, let's get into that third bucket. So the warm prospecting bucket. Uh, Daisy, I'll kick this question your way. Can you remind us again, what kind of uh, outreach are we doing in this warm prospecting bucket? And I think closed loss deals was one of them. What other kind of stuff fits into the warm prospecting bucket typically? It's anyone that we've spoken with at least once. So even the unsubscribes, the not interested, once you've made a contact with them via email or phone, they are a warm contact. They are your friend. I think a lot of times people get scared of the unsubscribe, not interested, and then you know they're out the door. If you think that way, you know, you're not going to build your pipeline as fast. But if every person you, you've connected with, uh, that becomes your warm prospect bucket, you're going to have a lot of warm leads. And what I mean by that is even the unsubscribe, these email you unsubscribe, pick up the phone, you call them and say, hey, I just got your email. I know you mentioned unsubscribe. You know, no worries. They just took you off the email. Like you want to respect their wishes. You know, curious, I was reaching out because X, Y, Z, and then you jump into your conversation. Those are the colder ones, but the warmer ones are the ones where it's like, hey, call me back next week, not interested. Regardless, wow. as long as they've said something to you, they are now in this warm bucket and you have the right to continue having these conversations, um, but making good use of their time. So asking the right questions when you do call them back. So is this like, a, do you guys hop into Orm and like sort by disposition of call or something and just kind of let it do its thing? Yeah, we have we have call history that breaks down objections, follow yeah. up, you know, all the objections, good or bad, uh, and then you go after it. And again, from that order, you go yeah. with the follow ups, the the call me back, those are the hot ones, mm -hmm. and then you go with the objection timing, you go with the, you know, not now. And at the very end, I still recommend go after the not interested, unsubscribe, because not interested just means not educated. It's not that they're truly not. Yeah. Interested. I think you dropped such a pro move there too, calling people that unsubscribe to the email. And then you're really super, um, you're super open about it. You don't try to hide behind it or anything. That's a, that's a really good pro tip. All right, so we got the warm prospecting. Anything else, Avi, you would add into this bucket? So types of leads that you go after, ways that you might structure the call, stuff that you found to work pretty well for you, anything like that? Yeah, I think um, the important thing, obviously, in outbound to consider is that anywhere from I think it's about three to five percent of your your prospects are actively buying right now. So that leaves ninety five to ninety ninety seven percent of your prospects that aren't going to be ready to buy anything right now. And so our job is at first to try to create some kind of awareness and to create some kind of interest. And that's what that cold cold call is 
is about, which I'm sure we're going to talk about here in a minute. But these next calls are slightly warmer. They're further along in the journey, whether they're not interested or it's not the right time or it's not within budget, right? Or they're using competitor. You should be collecting information at the beginning of the sales cycle. And then if they're not ready to buy, that's okay. Put those notes that, that intel into a section of your CRM, your system of record that is readily available to you when calling and lead with that. I'm not using permission-based openers when I'm calling my warm leads. Hi, this is Avi with Aura, and we spoke last month about XYZ. Do you have a moment? I'm creating, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to trigger their rem, like remembering of me and what we had discussed. And as Daisy mentioned before, trying to lead with some kind of value about, hey, this is a new feature that we came out that feels like it could help you. We have a new case study that's really similar to your use case that I think we should discuss, right? So the key is get in quick with the intel, create some relevance out of the gate over the phone, which again, you can get a lot of in information passed back and forth quickly when compared with email. Get them, get your hooks in, get a meeting booked as soon as you can and you know, revisit the conversation and reignite the app. Are there any other deposits that you find? Daisy had mentioned um, like introductions and new features. Are there any other types of deposits you find that work well, like content or any other kind of stuff to uh, make the deposit before you go in for the ask? Totally. Um, case studies, for sure. Um, you know, our, our product, we're, we're fortunate that our, it's been built by SDRs, for SDRs, for AEs, outbound prospecting teams. And so we have a lot of... Um, expertise around this. We're constantly building, putting out content about, you know, uh, strategies and, and tactics to improve connection rates and meetings books, right? So our, our marketing team, you know, they're doing a great job right now. And so we're trying to complement their efforts in, in, in driving more eyeballs to, to Orem. So taking that information that my marketing team is generating for us, that content and sending it their way and prov providing it to them, you know, scripts, you know, all different kinds of things they can be leveraging to get better at the game so that when they do think about cold calling and prospecting, they think of us first. Yeah. Yeah. And I can add to that. I think a lot of times, um, yes, there's like a plethora of things you can always like talk about and add value. And whenever you're in doubt, you should always just have one thing to go to. Because I think a lot of times people get stressed from cold calling is because like, oh, I think of a new script. I think of this, that's customized. But just have a single go-to and a go-to to add value is finding relevance in that person's role and or industry. Like imagine, Jason, if someone called you and said, hey, Jason, I'm reaching out. I'm actually talking to you know other consultants and, and founders like yourself to XYZ revenue. That immediately gets your interest because they're now comparing you to like your competitors in a sense. And so if you reach out to any company, hey, I'm reaching out. We work with IT security companies like yourself to do XYZ. That always grabs the attention because there's, a, there's relevance and they're thinking about what my competitors are doing. So yes, do the homework and find those specific case studies, new features that are relevant, but always have a backup to lean on. So you're not always stressed and thinking of like, oh, what creative thing should I say? And now you're stressed to make that call. Yeah. One other thing I'd add, sorry. And I know I feel silly for not mentioning it is information and news about the account. So setting up Google alerts and, uh, about the prospect account when it's not the right time, if they're a tier A account for you, tier one, whatever you call it, top of the line that you want, set up Google alerts, you notice something that pops up in the news about them, you can call about that. Now it's relevant for them and their business in particular, right? So it's not just about us and the value that we can provide and the value we've provided others, but also 
referencing their current situation and having them know that they're top of mind for me. I may not be top of mind for them, but they sure are for me. Yeah. And if you're reaching out to publicly traded companies, I do like this tool, uh, Seeking Alpha. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone here has used it before, but there's some really great stuff that they pull from uh, quarterly transcripts and that kind of stuff. Um, okay. Let's give the people what they want here. Everyone wants to know about the cold prospecting bucket because that's what people are probably doing a lot of here. So uh, Avi, I'll kick this first question your way. If we talk a little bit before we get to the, you've already shared a lot of examples of you know what you say and how you open and that sort of stuff. Let's just backtrack a bit. Do you want to just share how do you typically structure your week and make time for this kind of stuff? And like what prep happens prior to you even logging into Orem and hitting go? Um, for I personally have a BDR that I work with who's great. Mm -hmm. And so he and I are collaborating every week about prospect accounts that we're trying to break into. He's letting me know about progress he's made and letting me know about objections he's received. And we're you know talking shop throughout the week about ways to, to get into accounts. If you're an AE that has no support, uh, first of all, you should look at Orem. We have a free trial and maybe we can help you. And also like you want to spend the beginning portion of your week, right? Your dead hours, maybe like think about, you can look at your analytics and outreach or in sales loft. You'll figure out the times of day that are the worst time to be calling, which as chance would have it, a lot of folks end up being, it, it tends to be the time they call the most, uh, like 10 AM to 11 AM, right? When people are right in the thick of meetings, but in any case, um, do your work. Do your research in batches, which were the top five, six accounts uh, that you want to break Can into. Be, real quick, uh, yeah. I, I want to, sorry for interrupting. I want to not gloss over what you shared. So you said, look at the analytics and find when your pickup rates are the lowest and do this type of work during that time and be really mindful about when pickup rates are high and optimizing. Like, I know that sounds like a really simple thing. I don't think very many people actually sit and look at the data though. And I think I, you're right for sure. Uh, I think that it will certainly depend on the persona you're selling into and the segment that you're selling into and answer rates are going to change. Um, but if you've got a BDR team or you've got any historical data that you can access, generally speaking, it's a good indicator of what you should be doing or should not be doing. So try to, if you can, you know, depending on what your meetings are, where your, you know, where your meetings are scheduled and what activities you have to do, you know, dedicate your research and prospecting blocks. I'm sorry, research blocks to times when the prospecting blocks will be least fruitful. Yeah. And what are you doing during those research blocks? Um, so I've got my list of target accounts I'm going through them, you know, looking for any triggers or indicators in sale in, in, uh, in LinkedIn, uh, sales insights that would indicate they may be a good person to reach out to, uh, at that moment, I'm looking for the top five to 10 prospects that historically have expressed any kind of interest in our solution. Um, I'm checking outreach, uh, to see if we reached out to any of them before had any engagement with them over the last six to 12 months, trying to find any net news, people that um, are now at the company that have come from current customers or are new to the company and maybe trying to make a splash. And I'm adding as many of them as I can into a call only sequence. And then doing my call blitzes with, you know, basically all that batched research that I've done for multiple accounts, doing my call blitzes with those guys at the time of day that generally leads to the most connects. Okay, so this is another thing too. So the task batching part of this, I find is so crucial for an account executive because you could just, 
Like if you do account research and then pick contacts and then you make a couple calls and you send emails, and it's like next thing you know, an hour's gone by and you've maybe reached out to five people, you know, kind of thing. So you're very deliberate about researching accounts, you find triggers and you find contacts. That's a separate activity from any kind of calling. We haven't talked about email yet, but any kind of email, any any kind of outreach, those two things are, are separated, correct? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. I think it's super important. Go ahead, Daisy. Looks like you're yeah. going to say something. I was going to say, and when you do all that work, which is really important, put that in your CRM. I cannot tell you enough times where I see reps are doing that right before the call and then you do the call and if they don't pick up, you do that research again the next time they call. So all that in-depth research, please be sure to put that in your CRM and your notes. And that way you do that one time, all that hard work. And every time you call, you know exactly what to say to propel a strong conversation. So that's another great point too, where it's like kind of like touch, touch it once. Don't do the same activity over and over again, where it's like I researched someone two weeks ago and now I got to refresh my mind and do it all over again versus looking at a field in Orem or Outreach or Salesforce or whatever you got to do. Um, okay, so Daisy, I'll kick this next question your way. When it comes to the planning, is there anything else that are guidelines that you provide for the rest of your team in terms of how to structure your week, when to do stuff, pitfalls that you've seen in your career, anything like that that you would add? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to go back to those four buckets we shared earlier. The, that is the four buckets I share with the team to, to block out their time. So the very first thing in the morning before any meetings start, they think about their deals. They go after them, the calls, the emails, the creativity, tapping into internal resources to help with those deals because no one wins deals alone here. That should be priority number one. And then you go to, you know, down that list of the, the beginning stages of the deals and then the warm calls and the PG. Following that format, if you could do the first two things before your meetings of, of meetings start, whether it's deals or whatever the case, internal meetings, that's going to set you up for success. Because once your day starts and you have all these meetings in your calendar, your mind is scrambling. You got deals to do. You're thinking about those deals you want to close, but you feel like you haven't given that full thought. That's why those come first. And then you go through the meetings and then you want to make sure you block off some time for that pipe warm and cold call. Because by the time you do that, it's closer probably to your end of day or you have beginning of the day. Because you've done the deal work, you're, you can feel good as a sales owner. You did everything you can. You can stop thinking about those deals and really be present in those meetings and those demos and in that, in that cold calling session. And that's going to give you the best satisfaction day in, day out, because you've done everything you could. You prioritize those deals where you can focus on pipeline. And when you prioritize those deals, you'll either hear good news. People will say, yep, send the contract. I want to move forward. You know, you're super happy. And then you feel good. So when you're doing your cold calls, you're just a happy person. And worst case, they give you bad news. They go, sorry, deal's not going to happen. We can't sign. We've got to slash your deal in half. Yes, you're bummed. Absorb those meetings. But as an AE, Pipeline solves all. So you have to snap out of it, have that pipeline again, and you should have that drive and excitement to, to get more deals, to make up for that pipeline, that deal that you didn't expect to close. So that's why that ordering is really important. And that's why you'll give your full energy, good or bad news. And you're not wondering about your deals because you've already done that work there. Um, so that's how I, I recommend reps to bucket their time. Love it. Avi, I'll kick it back your way here. So the actual call. So do you want to give us, and let me look in the Q&A real quick. I think Leo Patterson said, Avi, what's your cold call opener? If you could give us kind of that, and then also like when you're going after these cold accounts, um, 
maybe how you kind of structure the call. How do you think about the call? Like what are some of the stuff that you're maybe thinking about prior to calling? Like what information do you have handy? And then how do you end up opening the call and all that stuff? Um, so you guys aren't going to think this is crazy when I tell, all I do is I say, hi, this is Avi with Orem. And I say, good morning, or I say, good afternoon. Like that's my opener. And it sounds weird when you, when you think about it, but it's tough for people to hang up on someone that just wished them a good morning. I think I find a lot. And so a lot of times they're responding at that point, they're saying, good morning. Like, who is this? Sorry, who are you calling from? Like, what, what is this? And so that is my indication a lot of time that I have a license to speak because if they couldn't talk, they probably wouldn't have answered the phone to begin with. They couldn't talk. They probably would have told me, Hey, I can't talk right now. And they would hang up on me. They're asking any questions about who I am or what I'm calling about. Uh, that's generally how I'm, I'm opening or that's my indication that I can go. Right. So it's very simple. No, like, you know, craziness or, you know, magic bullet, silver bullets over here. It's just good morning or good afternoon. Um, and really the way I'm thinking about it is I'm just selling time. I'm not selling forum yet. I'm just selling them on why meeting with me would be a good use of their time. Um, and my backup at that point is getting intel, right? So if they're not down to talk or they don't want to meet with me or they're not going to introduce me to somebody else, trying to collect some kind of information from them to then further my messaging the next time I reach out to somebody else at that company, right? Like I think there's a lot of, of times when, I, when, when reps are calling where they let people off the hook and they haven't gotten anything out of it. It kind of was just a waste of everybody's time. Try to find out something like what's in their tech stack. What's a priority right now? You know, yeah. I love to say if they're not the right person, you know, I know it's not your job to help lost salespeople, but any idea who I could reach out to, and then they'll hopefully laugh and introduce me there. So that's my opener. That's my thought process around it. Yeah. I love that creates a little bit of a flywheel too, where prospecting is tends to be a very one-to-one -one activity where a single activity doesn't improve the outcome of the next activity. And I think that you're like, yeah, get, get something that you can use to hopefully increase your odds of getting a meeting on the next call that you make or the next email that you send. And I want to be, I want to make sure that we're explicit with this. So you literally start off with, Hey, Avi, it's Jason with outbound squad. Good morning. And you pause yep. and you just wait for them to talk. Yep. Okay. So what happens right then? How do people typically respond? Usually they'll say good morning or, or they'll be like, sorry, who's this? Yeah. Um, that's for cold, cold. Like I've never spoken to them before. Um, mm -hmm. The tactic changes if they've hung up on me previously, right? Like yeah. maybe I've tried that opener. They've hung up on me. The next time I call, I make a note of that, by the way, in the first call, it hung up on me. I just go straight into my my hook next time. Like, hey, this is Avi with Orem was calling about. Sounds like you guys have a pipeline gap right now you're trying to fill. And I try to hook them real quick before I let them talk. Because I know they're going to hang up on me if I don't. So it's yeah. a slightly different um, approach depending on, you know, the previous activity. Yeah. Go ahead, Daisy. No, I was just smiling because Avi, Avi does do a really good job at this. And he's very, 
um, aware of the social cues, because as he mentioned, yeah. you can't have that same hook, that same sentence for every single person. People have hung up, people have said call back, people have said wrong person. Um, and so you have to change that piece and be agile with it. So Daisy, what do you recommend for your account executives and for the people watching? So when a prospect's like, well, who's this? Who are you calling with? Very typical question that uh, people tend to have, prospects tend to have at this point. What's the What's the best way to proceed from there? I mean, I always say the best way is your way that works with your personality because the best way for obvious could be different for another rep, for another rep, for another rep, because, you know, you are who you are as a person and you want to match your personality. If you're someone funny and your jokes can land, like tell that joke. If you're not funny, don't tell that joke. So it is really critical to do enough cold calls so you can start seeing what sticks, but also what feels natural. You don't want to be sweating. You don't want to be like, oh my God, that doesn't even sound like me every call because you're going to have a disconnect and it, the job's not fun anymore. So uh, yeah, that that's the answer is find what works. There are a couple of things that are generic that can work for everyone. So one thing, whether you use it or not, that gets people to kind of go past the hook and listen some more is using the word specifically hey, I'm reaching out to you specifically because I see you lead the sales team. I see you lead the HR team. I see you lead the security team. And we actually help folks do X, Y, Z things. So just that word itself um, will get them thinking, why is this person calling me? Why are they reaching out specifically? So there are tips and tricks like that that you can embed, but the best cold calls, the best ways to keep them on is finding things that you feel natural and comfortable with. Got it. So we got our opener. And it's something we can generally do is get, let's get to the reason for our call and provide some context. So I love that I'm reaching out to you specifically. So make them feel like it was on purpose. Um, notice that you lead the sales team over there at XYZ company. And is the psychology behind doing some of this stuff too, just to show the prospect, I'm not some random stranger. Like you're trying to bring some familiarity and rapport into the conversation and show them that I did a general amount of research. Is that kind of the thinking? Yeah, you're showing this yeah. reason for your call. They're not just one of many. And you can feel good about a salesperson. It's, you know, you are reaching out to them specifically. Yeah. You're spending two seconds of your entire life to pick up the phone and reach out to this person specifically. So if you feel that, and a lot of times as, as a salesperson, you have to feel truth to the words you're saying, or there's a disconnect and you're not going to feel good. The more passionate and the more you can own each word that comes out of your mouth, the more it's going to show how genuine you are and the more that's going to attract positive interactions. Um, and add to that, like we, I typically have their LinkedIn pop open when I used to make calls and you see the titles, you can say I'm specifically reaching out because I saw you're the team lead, the more specific, the better. And then if there's any words in their description, just use those words. I see you manage a team of six. So that's awesome. I see you just got promoted. I see you worked at this company for six years. Oh, wow. And so you're literally wow. reading what's in their LinkedIn and that usually captivates their attention. Love it. So Avi, when it comes to the we help part or explaining kind of like a little bit more context, what do you do here? Because I, I think that the the move for a lot of reps here is to go into pitch mode and they just totally like lose the prospect. How do you think about that part? Um, I think a lot of people focus on next, like what we do, like this is what we, this is how we, this is what we do, right? Like you're pitching now, like you said. And what is most compelling is the problem that you solve. What is the problem that your client is likely dealing with 
that they don't want to be dealing with anymore. You mentioned that and you confirm, is that something, does that sound like your world at all? Is that something you've experienced? And when you get that confirmation, then it's like, okay, cool. So, you know, to, to Daisy's point, the reason why I was reaching out to you specifically about this, is I saw that your XYZ forum helps do this. Would you be opposed to seeing if we could help you guys out as well? Like we've helped other companies before. Maybe drop a case study or a yeah. tidbit like that. So it's problem first. Because if there is no problem, there's no solution, right? Yeah. Can you give an example of what that would sound like with the problem? Yeah. So for 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 us, it's it's you know it depends on obviously the persona that I'm reaching out to. Like if I'm reaching out to a VP of sales, it's like, hey, uh, a lot of the VPs of sales that I've been reaching out to, um, they're finding inbound leads are going down. They're trying to get their AEs to prospect, but there's so many other things they have to do every single day, and so it tends to not be uh, a priority. And there's this pipeline gap that they're trying to fill. Does that sound like your world at all, or is everything good over there at company? And then they smiling. tell me, like, is that what would you say? I'm smiling because that's that's very similar to my talk track. Jason Avi, you guys are like twins from another world. So uh, <laughs> yeah. stand up comedy, door 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 uh, knocking in the past, and now similar talk tracks. So for everyone out listening, we we established that yeah. Jason is very similar people. <laughs> um Daisy, I want to kick this question your way. So the problem, what I noticed Avi did there is he talked about an above-the-line problem. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of, I get a VP of something on the phone, like if we use a VP of sales, but then we talk about something that a sales manager might be working on. So talking about uh, connection rates, <laughs> you know, connect rates uh, versus like pipeline. How do you think about like from a messaging standpoint for a rep when they're talking about like what Orem does and the problems that it solves, excuse me. Um, how do you think about making sure to align to the to the thing that based on that person's role that they're going to care about? Yeah, so this comes from coaching and training for management, because if you don't know the different uh, levels that you're reaching out to and what they care about, then you're going to fumble your words. You're going to go back to the beginning, which you're going to go back to core talk track, which is typically aimed at managers or reps, which in forums world or any person selling to sales is like, oh, we can drive more activity, we can drive more dials. But VPs don't care about that. So you must be trained prior to understand the rep level IC, the management level, the director level, and then the VP level. And to be honest, from there, you got to break down the different segments too, because there's that industry or that um, department you reach out to, that's your core department but you have to go into sales ops or rev ops that buy tools and software as well as finance and have some sort of talk track. And sometimes if you're working SMB, you also have to have a talk track for CEOs and founders. So being trained on knowing what each person cares about uh, as a broad level, doing batting cages and practice with your management team, with your peers to get enough at bats. And then you go out there, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to jumble around. But then once you kind of get a framework, you're going to be able to speak to each person and it's going to make yourself so much more powerful as an AE when you sell the deal, when you start getting them into like a pilot or a POC to navigate the different multi-threads there. And even from an SDR perspective, if you can navigate these different uh, personas and, and uh, roles, your AE, your management team is going to appreciate and see you're able to do that. And that likely will be putting you on that AE promotion track, should that be the role you're interested in because you have that skill set too, SCR or AE. 
Love it. So Ashley Black, hopefully that answers your question. We just gave kind of a run through of what the talk track sounds like. I want to just, I'll kind of open this up for either of you too. I noticed Avi shared that there's a call only sequence. So any tips, pointers on like the contact strategy or the sequencing strategy um, when you guys are reaching out to prospects? It's kind of one of those things that Daisy talked about before where it's like, it works for me. It doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody, right? So like take all these, these ideas with a grain of salt, try them out yourselves. And I am spoiled with Orem where I can do a call only sequence sequence, and I it doesn't really impact me that much. My main reasoning for doing that is because I'm strongest on the phone. That's just where, that's just all it is for me. It says I would rather get into a conversation with somebody on the phone than over email. And tactically, what I'm trying to do is confirm that their uh, phone number is correct. So making sure that it's their voicemail that I'm hitting because we can record voicemails and we can automatically drop them. And so I want to make sure I'm dropping those voicemails with the right people at the right time. And so once after a few days of reaching out to them, if I haven't caught them, hopefully at that point, I've validated that it is their correct number for them. And that's when I switch them over to a sequence that has touch points over different channels. So I know that my emails are landing. I know that my voicemails are landing and my LinkedIn touches the same thing. So for me, it's just a preferential thing where it's, I feel like my strength, I have a tool that allows me to do that. And tactically it gives me um, the validation that I need to put them into a, a multi-channel approach. Mm -hmm. gotcha. And I'll say Easy. strategically as well, when you have a sequence or cadence going, which is awesome, it limits you to how many times you can call them. Your sequence is not going to say call, 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 email, call, 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 email. It's going to be call, call, email, LinkedIn, call, email, email, call, some sort of variation. So having that and a calling sequence will allow you to go through the multi-channels. But also if you're, it's really urgent, you know, you see some big news and you really want to contact them, you can do the twice a day, multiple times. Don't leave a voicemail because no one wants to hear 100 voicemails from you because you have your sequence doing that for you uh, to try to grab their attention too. Love it. One last quick question. How many times will you guys call a prospect before you stop calling them? <laughs> um, the limit does not exist. No, I don't know. Like I usually, my sequences are like 15 calls, generally that call only. Um, yeah. We have the ability to change our caller IDs as well. And yeah. it really depends on how confident I am or how feel how good I feel about them as an opportunity. Um, if they are rock solid use case, I'll keep calling. Gotcha. Yeah. And to get specific, I see some of the questions coming in. I think um, in a week, when it's your first approach, like two, three, four times is, is a good bet. And then that same month, limit down one less, like three, three, three. And then after that, every month, you're calling twice a month and then once a month. And because you're adding value every time, you're not going to stop until you're on that do not call list, which you shouldn't be on that do not call list if you're adding value over and over again. And this is how you widen your, your, your pool of warm leads. I promise you, you keep doing this. You go from zero leads to three cold, to five warm, to 10 warm, to two hot, eight warm. And before you know it, you'll have hundreds of leads doing this for months if you follow that process and don't give up at the first sign of not interested taking off the list. Love it. That's all we got time for today, everyone. Check out the chat. Go check out Orm. Connect with Avi, Daisy, and myself on LinkedIn. And uh, Daisy, Avi, appreciate you too. This is awesome. Thanks for spending time with us. There's a ton of value. And everyone else in the chat, appreciate you uh, 
engaging, asking questions, all that kind of stuff. And that's uh, that's all we got for you today. Good work, everyone. We'll Thanks, see you. Thanks, Jason. Have a good one. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Bye. Bye.